Hello, and welcome to episode 130 of First Geek 411. I'm your host this week, Chris Nicolay, and joining me, as always, Cameron Franklin. Why, hello there. It's great to hello. see you. We've got a fun episode in store for y'all, um, but first... We got to announce, um, so in the coming weeks, um, we are planning on doing some updates and some changes, so be on the lookout for those. Um, some exciting things are happening, and mm-hmm. we're hoping to just bring you guys in as we do it. Um, I'm really excited. It's some stuff that we've talked about for quite a while. For, so. like, since we started three yeah. years ago. You know. <laughs> Vision slowly comes together. <laughs> um. But in the meantime, to tease this week's episode, so a certain fan favorite JRPG is coming to Steam. Um, We will be talking about, at the end of our episode, we're discussing our top three dystopian worlds or series or, I don't know, pretty much anything dystopian. Um, Just an excitement of The Last of Us Part 2 coming Mm -hmm. out this week or is out as of this episode, right? Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Um, we'll be also be talking about some awesome PS5 news that we talked to, teased mm-hmm. last week, uh, but finally got to watch it. Um, and uh, maybe some uh, band or, I guess, archived Magic the Gathering things. I don't know. Weird. Weird situation. Um, but with that, before we jump into any of that, be sure to check us out. Check us out on our social media. We are One Geek 411 on Facebook, Twitter, and our PlayStation and community. You can email us directly at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to us, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And as always, check out our show notes on our website, onegeek411.com. But I guess, Cameron, what have you been up to? So I recently purchased the itch.io bundle for racial justice, um, which was ended up being, I think, like $9,000 worth of stuff and all proceeds from the bundle went to charity. And it was kind of a, a give however much you want kind of thing. And so with that, Chris, there's something I want you to hold to, to make sure that I am doing every week. And I, my goal is for the next several weeks, I want to try a new game or new something from that bundle. So okay. whatever so new segment, itch IO update. Yes. Cause <laughs> like I said, there's, I think it's 56 pages worth of stuff. Dang. And so Welcome to the bundle update. Yeah. And so I just want to make sure that I am going through those things and actually like trying new things. Cause part of like, part of why I never overly got into indie games and stuff like that is because typically I want to play them on PlayStation four cause I want trophies. Um, but there's so much cheaper on PC. Well now I have a bunch of them. And so, so to kind of think about indie titles is there's so many yes. of them. And so for this week, I have three things I want to talk about that were in the bundle that I played. The first one is beacon, which is a roguelike twin stick shooter with the idea being that as you play and as you defeat monsters, you are gaining DNA and then you're slotting that DNA into your character to power them up. And like certain like DNA, like if it's the same type, like they like boosts each other, if that makes sense. Um, And so it was a really cool idea. 
plot twist though my pc is not very good turn turns out when you like don't pc game like what? like i don't know if it was like no like no knock on beacon but like like my computer was struggling to keep up with it and i was like oof like this is a problem and so that's a thing so i might have some pc upgrades that need to happen soon but it was fun, but like I said, it was just not quite ideal with that. And I, it's definitely a game that I need a controller for since it's a twin stick shooter. I definitely felt like as I was trying to like navigate like um, mouse and keyboard for like moving diagonally and like strafing and stuff like that. Like I definitely would have rather have had a had a joystick for that. Then the other game I played is Overland, which is a game I demoed at PAX, um, PAX West this last time that we went. And it was a lot of fun. Um, basically, do you play a, a halfling. What? Do you play a hobbit? No. Overland just sounds like a hobbit last name. <laughs> um, basically, it's it's kind of like XCOM in the sense that like it's like a strategy RPG, and there's aliens and stuff like that. But it really centers more around stealth than actual combat. So at least for where I'm at in the game so far, the aliens are blind and they respond to sound. So you're trying to like get on the map, get whatever you need, get back in your car and drive off as quickly as possible um, versus actually trying to like fight every enemy. And so I wiped on day one, um, which was like three missions in like three maps in. So complete like TPK, like all my crew died. And, Oops. um, so I started over and now I got a pupper in my party. So, um, the pup's living his best life. And so it's really cool. Really enjoying it. I'll be, hopefully be playing that more. And then the last thing, one of the things in the bundle was the Lancer core rulebook, which is a mech style tabletop RPG. And so really cool. It's like a 400 page core rulebook. And so I started reading through that and it sounds like over the next like week or so, two weeks, maybe I will actually be um, DMing a one shot of that for some people in the saving the game discord. So like we still got to finalize like timings and stuff like that, but really looking forward to that. And like, I'm looking forward to talking more about that after it happens, of course. And it's very cool. Highly recommend. It seems to be a very beginner friendly RPG in the sense that like, it's not super crunchy. Like pretty much everything is a D20 or a D6. Like there's not a what lot of other stuff. What about the rest stuff. of my set of dice? You just, you just need those. Get a bunch of them. But I like my other dice too. That's too like bad, my, my, my single set of dice. Oh, like, you know. <laughs> but it's really cool. The art is amazing. I'll, I'll be posting some of it through our podcast social media in the next couple days. Just to kind of give them a shout out. Um, but really enjoying that. And then Deanna and I have started watching Doctor Who. And so we're in that, the first, like the 2005 reboot or whatever continuation. It's not really a reboot, but like that we're in there and we're about uh, six or seven episodes in to that season. And then some friends had us over for a cookout. And so like we socially distanced and did all that stuff and tried washed to like your hands, washed our hands. And tried to Not just either. kind of keep space. Like we were like hand like hand sanitizing, stuff like that. Um and yeah, it was really good to see people like in person. Like 
Cause like, this is like the first time that we've actually kind of like been with a group of people that wasn't like family. So <laughs> and the extrovert. So, yes. <laughs> I needs it. Um, but yeah, so that, that's the, the big things that I've been up to. Chris, what about you? So for me, um, I recently restarted. I'm just throwing back some roots here. Um, I decided to throw on, um, because it's available on Hulu, uh, Rooney Kenshin. Um, Proud of you. I love the series, but the English dub is bad. <laughs> it's an, such an old anime to begin with, so that means the translations are just still really weird. Um especially name pronunciations and it gets me every time like they call Kenshin Kenshi mm-hmm. and Kauri is Cory <laughs> and they call Sonosuke Sanosuke <laughs> and it's just like it, it, it's hard sometimes but um but I'm enjoying just that return um I really want to get uh locate my copy of Samurai X Trust and Betrayal so I can watch that too um other than that i really haven't been much uh, i've started playing final fantasy 9 on uh my my switch nice um, just because a good throwback except for i'm cheating um because i just want to play the story because it because uh, yeah because so. it, it has like 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 cheat codes right you can basically just be like right give me so a bunch of levels or three things so you can max level level 99 um i'm not turning that on because i still want to like otherwise it still feels pointless to play the game um to do that but you can like max out your gill and also auto web auto ability learn for for your equipment because it's a mm-hmm. equipment based skill um progression so i turned on so my max skill and turned on auto skill learn so i don't have to grind nice. up the the weapon abilities um every time um that way i can also focus on the blue mage krina when i get her so i can learn the monster skills when we get there. So that's kind that's essentially all I've been up to. I mean, I'm still listening to audiobooks, so I've been going on random drives so I can listen to audiobooks um as well as uh possibly I've been doing uh a little more photography stuff back. Been really motivated with that. Um nice. so I drove like half an hour out of town to this old church last Friday. Um it's on the back end of a lake here. Um and it's actually so it's it was it what where the church is isn't where the church originally was it's actually from a town called canyon ferry which is now underwater because we built a dam Um, but before they started construction on the dam they moved the church as a historic marker um that's pretty cool yeah super cool check out my instagram um that you can see some pictures of it um just really randomly placed just out in the middle of nowhere kind of um but yeah i'm just like i see these I gotta go check your Instagram. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you, maybe you didn't. I don't know. Um, I'm not used to getting so many likes. <laughs> don't really track who gets. Oh them. yes, I did see this. All right. Um. But yeah, so I'm getting that next weekend. I'm probably gonna go out with my brother for a morning and do some photography stuff too. Um. So we'll see what comes of that. Um. But yeah. Oh, I also uh, Sunday I attended a. Um, protest for george floyd um or really a black lives matter kind of rally here in our capital city of montana really good time um just really cool uh seeing so many people gather um i guess we kind of we left is 
we showed up, did our march, held up our signs, kind of did our thing, um, and kind of died down. So we kind of left because I had to get my friend home and kind of wasn't really anything happening. Um, but I guess there were some events that took place later, um, kind of escalated by counter-protesters, um, which speaks a lot to um, the nature of Helena in general, but um, just really proud of Helena. Also, surprisingly, like, I don't get out much, but I guess I got to see the diversity that Helena has to offer. and More surprising than I expected. <laughs> Still mostly white, but... <laughs> um. Yeah, that was a it was a good time and was really happy to be able to participate in that. But that brings us into our new segments, everyone. So sit back because we got some big stuff in video games. But yeah, we do. But we'll talk about some of the smaller things first and save the longer discussion for the middle of the episode. Good idea. Um, but this week uh, we got the official announcement of Star Wars Squadrons. And this trailer looks so cool. Right. Like the only, obviously it's EA. There's always skepticism, especially with their star Wars titles. Mm -hmm. Um, but they've, they talk about trailer looks phenomenal. Um, originally it was leaked, uh, as a project name. Maverick. Maverick. Yeah. Back a few months ago or whichever. Um, but, all in all, they've been talking, they talked about this. It looks like, you know, there's not going to be a, at least pay to win progression. If there is any loot boxes, um, really learning from their recent experiences with battlefront two and things. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to have also like a strong campaign mode, um, some different gameplay methods such as like fleet command. And yep. And I think I saw it's only, they're like, it's only going to be like $40 which is fantastic. And I think it's supposed to have crossplay. So these are all good things. Like if they don't, as long as they don't like patch in loot boxes or whatever, yeah. like also VR compatible. Mm-hmm. That'd be, that's gotta be like, I hope that's good VR. Like it's a good yeah. game to do it with for sure. Um, yeah, so we're actually supposed to be expecting more gameplay. Uh, EA is doing their Play Live event here June 18th, so after we've recorded, obviously. Um, but be sure to check that out. It's June 18th at 4 p.m. Pacific time or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so surprising new, like mm -hmm. surprisingly good. Looks surprisingly good. Um, and don't mess this up, EA. Yeah. Don't make Disney step in again. <laughs> we also got the announcement this week that a fan favorite JRPG is coming to Steam, and that's Persona 4 Golden, which is one of this fan's favorites. Actually, I might like Persona 5 more. Um, <laughs> but um, Persona 4 Golden definitely has a sweet spot in my heart. Um, it's a game that I really got into right after I graduated college. Um, and so I kind of just hit it like that right time where like, I was applying for jobs. I was trying to like kind of find my place and it was a great game um, to have in that time. And I'm really excited that more people are going to be able to play it because it's, it's hard to find a Vita now. Like also the memory cards are still awful, but like I mean, this marks the official death of the Vita though. Right. Yeah. This is because like one of the reasons to get a Vita was persona four golden. 
So now you don't need it. Or yeah. you can get a PlayStation TV like I did. Right. But, but even those aren't as easy to find anymore. No. So. I mean, they're still, they're more accessible than the Vita for right. sure. Um, also a lot cheaper than getting a Vita. Right. But it's one of those things, like I said, it's, it's an amazing JRPG. Um, I recently found my Persona 4 shirt that I thought I lost, but it was in the wrong pile of t-shirts. And so I was hyped and I wore it right away. But great game, great JRPG, really good cast. Um, like even though Golden is like the remake of it, like we have for Royal with Persona 5, I would also really love to see like a full-on remaster or like full-on remake of Persona 4 Golden, kind of the Final Fantasy VII treatment. Like bringing it up into this like same tone. You can keep the turn-based systems, but fully up res, get like a lot more, like flush out a lot of the cutscenes, flush out a lot of that stuff. I would say for Persona 4, it'd still be more of a remaster instead of a remake. Like it doesn't require the full reimagining that Final Fantasy yeah. 7 did where you I are think that's a good point. recreating the game. Um, but like literally just upping everything to redoing your sprites and everything. Right. Um, just because the technological difference from... Yeah, makes sense. Vita to now isn't crazy but at the same time a full remake would be fun too mm-hmm. not gonna lie um i want to believe maybe well i mean like if it's if it succeeds on steam which mm-hmm. it's going to um you know that's always a good indicator to publishers about popular popularity of their previous titles makes them rethink it for sure um although i don't was it atlas I can't think of anything that they've like really decided to remake. So yeah, Catherine is the the one that they've kind of re-released the most. And I know right. in in their most recent of Catherine version of Catherine, and I think we talked about it on the show, they did add another character and stuff like that, which is by no means remake. But I think that's the one that might have like been released the most often. But right. But like, yeah, maybe they'll consider or they'll just be like, here's Persona 6. Deal with it. Deal with it. I also would be honestly also, happy with that. Right. Exactly. Um, in other news is kind of like the response piece here to the PlayStation event. Um, today we got uh, additional information regarding Xbox's next generation or specifically their smart delivery, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially like, Hey, we're going to make sure you have the most recent like release of the game available to you on Xbox Series X. Right. So there's a quote from the article that says, which of course the article will be in the show notes too if people want to read it. It says, um, but what does that mean for you, the player? Well, it means that if you purchase the Xbox One version of a supported title, title we will deliver the best version to you uh, of it to your Xbox One as usual. If you decide to jump to the next generation, the Xbox Series X, we will automatically provide this Xbox Series X version of the game at no additional cost when it becomes available. You won't need to do anything in terms of choosing a version to download. We'll take care of all of that. And it's just not um, not just limited to games that you purchase digitally. Physical discs of Xbox games can also support smart delivery if the developer or publisher decides, decides to implement it. 
So that's really cool. Like, I mean, they're putting all yeah. of this on the the developers. And so we'll see what that actually means in terms of older titles. Like, are developers going to go and, and up-res, like, non-first-party developers? Are they going to go and do that? Or are they going to say, well, it's backwards compatible. That's good enough. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, the, it's a really cool system. Um in terms of, I feel like Xbox is putting too much emphasis on this, though. Granted, it, it's great to kind of emphasize, hey, get the Xbox Series X. Um, trying to make sure that yeah. you have an incentive to purchase it um, day one or early on. Um, and I think this also is them trying to make sure they're not hurting their bottom line now. Right. Because the biggest worry about buying games right now is, well, what if I can't play it on my new platform? And I think that's part of why we're seeing so much of this, especially when the Xbox game reveal was all third-party games. They didn't show any of their own stuff. Right. And so they can't they can't talk about their own games yet other than Halo Infinite. And so um, I think that's one of those things that once they do that event, once we get that actual like official reveal, there'll be a whole lot more that they're willing to say about next generation besides smart delivery because that's kind of where they've been the whole time so far right exactly like everything is third party also not necessarily just coming to xbox series x like like everything is like i mean even halo infinite Mm -hmm. is coming out on xbox one it's not going to be a next gen title technically it's going to have it's a cross generation a great yes it's one of the cross generation or a lot what we're seeing for the playstation which we'll, we're about right. to get into um is hey these are gonna be ps5 titles like there 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 isn't a they're saying fully utilize this technology in the development don't worry about downgrading it so it's complete play it on ps4 um kind of thing and that's ultimately which makes me more excited for the five mm-hmm. like i have an incentive to get the five because i understand most of the titles i probably play on four are going to still be available right? due to backwards compatibility. Or they're, and they're testing like 4,000 plus titles right now um, to make sure, which is also because we haven't seen this in a while from PlayStation. Exciting. right? Um, but like everything we saw was, well, mostly everything we saw is going to be a PS5 title. You are going to have to upgrade to get that, to play that title. But that brings us as a, as our segue into what we saw from the PlayStation Five event, right? And this was so much hype, Chris. I like I listened back to to the last episode where we kind of chatted about it after this event, obviously because it came the episode came out after this event. And man, like we were not that far off. I called one. I mean, right? And, I mean, I was just hopeful, but I wasn't right. actually expecting it. That was just it blew my mind. It blew yeah. my mind. And so real quick, before we actually get into specific games, I kind of want to just run through the list. Sounds good? No. Okay. Well, I'm doing it anyway. Okay. So we got uh, Grand Theft Auto V, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Gran Turismo 7, Ratchet & Clank, Rifts Apart, or Rift Apart, Project Athea, Stray, Returnal, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, Destruction All-Stars, Kena, Bridge of Spirits, Goodbye Volcano High, Oddworld Soulstorm, Ghostwire Tokyo, Jet the Far Shore, Godfall, Solar Ash, Hitman 3, 
Astro's Playroom, Lil Devil Inside, NBA 2K21, Bug Snacks, Demon Souls, it's coming back, um, Death Loop, Resident Evil Village, which is Resident Evil 8, um, Pragmat, um, Pragmata, Horizon Forbidden West, and the reveal that there will be two PlayStation 5 consoles, one with a disc drive, one without. Mm-hmm. And the look at obviously we saw the box. Yeah, and then we saw the box. Yeah. And a lot of the other like hardware. Like we saw the new PlayStation camera. We saw the new headset, head, headset that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so with this, Chris, what jumped out to you? Because I know we were texting during the show. So yeah. so I mean, like, obviously, as soon as I saw it, like I, I literally audibly squealed. I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Uh, part two is and we literally i brought it up last week just as like i would love to see this yeah never even thought in it was something in progress yeah and 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 i was in the boat that when they opened with spider-man miles morales that meant we wouldn't get horizon like that was my assumption but we got both and i am hyped and also like as a result of the spider-man trailer there was speculation on like what this meant um also officially came coming out it is not like an addition to the current spider-man it is not yes going to be caught it's not going to be a ps4 ps5 iteration it is a ps5 game mm-hmm. and oh man awesome. spider-man miles morales was every type of video game in eight hours like to what you just said like they showed it some executive said it's basically just like a new built-in thing for the playstation 5 version of spider-man then that got corrected. Then that correction got corrected. And then we finally ended up on, it's a standalone game similar to Uncharted Last Legacy. Lost Legacy. Um, which I'm super excited about because it lets them build up Miles. It gets him from the place that he, from the place that he was in Marvel's Spider-Man where he's just becoming Spider-Man to now he can be fully trained. You can have missions of him completely ready to go as Spider-Man, plug him in, let him have awesome character growth, let him have great development and representation. And we don't like, we don't have to have the like, Oh, I'm miles. And now I'm going to train for how to be Spider-Man. Here's the tutorial for the game before you go play as Peter Parker. Right. And so I'm really excited that he's going to be all like already be a full Spider-Man by the time the game starts. Also conspiracy theory. I was discussing with my coworker. What if every like numbered Spider-Man game, they introduce a new spider person. I would love that. And so like in this one, they introduce Gwen Stacy and that just kind of becomes like the the trope is like, they just like, every time they introduce somebody new and then like, that's how they grow the cast. Cause since this is a separate universe, they can just have them all in the same world. Like they don't have to necessarily follow the normal, like rules of the like Spider-Man universes. Right. Other people can get bit by radioactive spiders. Right. There's more than one, or maybe it's just one spider doing it all. Yeah. just one spider just like goes around biting everyone. Right. It's actually a sentient spider and it, it's actually picking these people. Yeah, it like judges your heart, and if it finds you worthy, it bites you, and so you yeah. can become a spider person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Calling it now. Calling Just... it now. <laughs> Sentient spider. Here to hear first. Sentient spider. 
deciding who gets to be the spider hero. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can even incorporate like a spider villain that uses a spider and forces it to bite him become a spider person and introduce a villain that way i don't know mm-hmm. i'm making stuff up now but yeah, we're not writers <laughs> we don't know what's up we should be apparently no um other big announcements we got project atthea from uh, square some square i 100 percent thought this was final fantasy 16 as it started calling it now it is oh yeah i'm actually kind of <laughs> in that same boat of like because no. they, they did that i don't know if they've done that necessarily with a mainline title like, I mean, Versus 13 became 15, but it was still Final Fantasy at the time. Right. And so, like, but there was, def- there was definitely a part of me that's like, I could easily see this being kind of like um, Final Fantasy Type Zero, where that game was in development as not a Final Fantasy title. And then it got kind of connected into this alternate version of the Final Fantasy 13 world. Right. And so I could very much see it being that type of project where like it, it isn't 16, but it is Final Fantasy blank. Right. I mean, I don't know. Like ultimately, like just in general, the like obviously we don't we don't have gameplay of this yet. That's why it's still in a project name mm-hmm. um, for one thing. Um, this is definitely more of a North American studio game, though, from what yeah. I'm seeing. From Luminous um, Productions is the developer. Right. Um, also, but. in before the title for this is just Athia. Like, they just do, like, the Project Octopath thing. And, like, the project yeah. name is just the actual title. Like. <laughs> this could also very, this could also possibly be, like, a Final Fantasy Spirits Within side mm-hmm. story um, or anything like that, just to retie in that movie. Um but all in all, I think it will, it's very likely to be its own IP now. Um, but who knows? Like, the, I'm excited for this game either way. Um, it, it's just everything I look for in a game. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's made by Square. Um, and specifically, again, designed for PS5. Um, can't wait to see more. Obviously, working title means typically about two years for, yeah. for release from Square. Um, but either way. Yeah. What else jumped out to you from the show? Um, what else? Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm excited for. So, okay. So one game I want to point out destruction, all stars. Um, <laughs> this just feels like one of those random games that comes out and becomes a big hit like it feels yeah. like a rocket league type game I, I, that's exactly i had the exact same thought too like a mesh of like rocket league but also like hey we have these characters so like a cross between like rocket league and what we're seeing from valorant right now you know um looks very entertaining i'm gonna suck at it but it's also you know possibly a great multiplayer game to just play mm-hmm. and have fun with because it doesn't look like you have to be good like there are going to yeah. be people that are just crazy. And we should say that. that this looks like cartoony twisted metal. Yes. Well, so like I mean, it's, it's like car combat, but like it's not as like gritty and as twisted metal is. Right. Or was like, I mean, twisted metal hasn't been around in two generations, but. One. I thought they did. A oh yeah. There's a PS3. I'm already PS3 on PS5. Yeah. Chris, I'm in the right. PS5 life now. Okay, good. Okay. So sweet. Let's just jump ahead. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that is what we are talking about. So, I mean, it has been two generations, yeah. technically. Um, 
also like Keenan Bridge of Spirits. Right. I thought this was great. the one that I was going to bring up. Is it looks kind of like a more whimsical God of War in terms I of like it, shoulder cam that kind of stuff. It just gave me that vibe of like it's a more friendly God of War. To me, it's like a more intense version of Pikmin. Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely got that vibe too. <laughs> like what I saw is like is this just like a Pikmin I want to play? <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's not like, like it looks like it, there's like good, seriously, like good thematic elements to it. But like, there's like these little creatures that are helping you along your journey that are very much like collecting Pikmin from what I saw. But yeah, I'm kind of excited for that. Um, also Sackboy is the official title yeah, I thought that was very interesting that it's Sackboy, a big adventure, not Little Big Planet Four. Right. So it makes me wonder what they've changed to make it more central around Sackboy. Um, and that might be because this is not being published. Well, I, I guess I don't think Little Big Planet Three was published by Media Molecule, but this is being developed by or developed by Media Molecule. This is being developed by Sumo Digital. So maybe that like ties in too for however the little big planet like IP works. Like they couldn't give them that title some for some reason. I don't know. But it looks cool. I'm glad Sackboy's back. Like that that was a big mascot for that PS3 generation. Very fun game. And so I'm excited to see that. This looks a little a lot more like Mario 3D World. So it's like um it it is Little Big Planet, but it is more top down. Um, versus a side scroller. So I'm excited for what that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, Oddworld makes its return to the PlayStation after mm-hmm. five generations. Yeah. So this is one like I never got into Oddworld. Like, I. Oldie. Um, yeah. Like, I had a, I think a friend of my older brother's had it or my older brother had it or something. And I remember seeing it played once. And then. I've just never like, it's a game. Like it's a series. Like I know there's a lot of people that really like it. It just doesn't quite seem like my thing, but right. I mean, like I've only played, uh, strangers wrath, I believe, mm. um, on Xbox, but yeah. So like the history of this game, like though, I mean, it goes all the way back to the original PlayStation, um, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. Um, originally that's the one that I've in, seen before. Right. Is a PlayStation one, 1997 release. Um, Abe's Exodus then came out on PC in 98. Um, then with Oddworld Stranger's Wrath coming out to Xbox in 05. Um, and then they've had a couple weird titles outside of that too. Um, you know, one in 14. But yeah, this is the first actual like Oddworld title and it's returning to the PlayStation, which is super cool, kind of coming full circle. Um, since it, yeah, it, it moved to as a Xbox t- or play, Microsoft title there for a little bit. Um, so seeing that history transition full circle, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a puzzler for the most part. Like it, there's some action elements, but I mean, it, for the most part, it's about escaping prisons and mm-hmm. assisting your friends escape prison too. I mean, as an alien race. Um so I'm intrigued. Probably not something I'm going to buy necessarily, but no. I'll definitely watch them. Let's the plays. I'm in the same boat. It's a game. I'm excited that it is back, but I don't think it's a thing specifically for me. 
those are all the big games that I wanted to call out. Anything else? Yeah. I mean, on your end? I'm surprised you didn't mention it. Demon Souls getting a full remake. Yeah, I'm PS5. excited that that's happening. I'm. I want to see more about what is getting remade before I get like too into it. Like to me, this remake doesn't excite me. The fact that this means we could finally get a Demon Souls two excites me. Like that's what I want to see, um, because that incarnation of that world is so different in terms of like it's much more focused on magic. It's much more focused on like these set piece bosses. Um, and so I mean, like there's big like set piece bosses and, but like they're in like dark souls, but like there are bosses that like, it's actually more of a puzzle than it is actually like fighting the boss. It's more of right. like, I got to hide here. And then once this happens and I got to run up here and I got to roll, I have to try to activate this before I get attacked. Like there's a lot more of that style boss fight in demon souls. And I really like that. Yeah, I suck about that game. Oh, I played that so much so of it. I know you did. <laughs> That's why I tried to play it. But it's yeah. like, I got that I'm platinum. Really I'm so bad at this. <laughs> More so, it's just like repeating yourself. Yeah. Like the repetitive part, trying to. I just, I'm like, okay. I get too frustrated and it gets old. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, for the most part, like, there's some really cool, cool other titles, just to shout out to them. Like we mentioned, Ghostwire Tokyo originally unveiled at E3 last year, um, but looks really good, too. Um, what else? What was it? Uh, Stray. Oh, Stray looks really cool. That's a good good call out. So yeah. it's like post-human world where, like, it's just robots and you play as a cat. Yeah. And you're like, it's like cyberpunk, but like, again, there's no humans. Like the robots are like literally living the lives of humans. Like, yeah. It's, I'm really intrigued. curious to what that's going to be. That's mm-hmm. one that like, I'm very much looking forward to us finding out more on it. Yeah. But yeah, this I'm, I'm super stoked for this console. Um, just in general. Uh, one thing is, so as a result, we didn't get a price at this event. Right. And now say um, I hundred percent thought they were gonna mic drop the price. Like that would have been perfect. Like, um, but I, I thought that was gonna be the final card. shot when they like when they put up the two versions of the PS5, I thought they were gonna just put up the price, cut to black. But they didn't they're and playing, so. they're like, your move. They're they're like, we don't need that yet. Your move, Xbox. It's kind of <laughs> I just like the way this is kind of all playing out. Um, but, uh, they, their some of their executives have been talking about it, um, talking about how the pricing will be focused on value over trying to make it cheap. Um, necessarily they want, you know, these are powerful consoles that are essentially trying to compete on the PC level. Granted, console has always had value over PC. For the simple fact that to maximize everything in a PC is going to cost you a lot of money. Consoles give you best bang for your buck experience, bar none. Um, but focusing on value, don't know what that means. Will they, you know, are they going to do the PS3 price range? Jeez, I hope Hopefully not. not. Um, that was expensive. But that means likely it's probably going to cost more than the PS3 did. Right. Uh, or PS4. Um, yeah. And I think doing two different SKUs gives them some more leeway with that. Mm -hmm. Cause like, cause like say they price at 500 for the, with a disc version that lets them be like, well, there's a 450 version without a disc. 
and like, and I know I was seeing some stuff of people were even calling that like, um, cause obviously like traditionally console makers have taken a loss on the console itself for the first iteration to get people in the door. But somebody was pointing out that like for an all digital version, you can take more of a loss because you get a bigger cut of game sales. Cause if, That's if, true. cause if there's only digital purchases, you're not paying to ship. You're not paying for shelf space. You're not paying for any of that. Well, and also you have to go through the PlayStation store. You're not going through. Right. So it's all going direct. Like not, not that Sony gets hundred percent of the money by any means. Cause it goes to the publishers and developers and all of that. Mm-hmm. But like they get a bigger cut, I would assume when it's a digital purchase through the PlayStation store. So they could take a bigger loss there and recoup that with digital or with um, those digital purchases. So, which in sense, like ultimately that it also makes sense for the set uh, with where we're at, just because the technology is at the point where playing off a disc doesn't work. Um, yeah. Like ultimately, even for this next generation, it's predominantly by the disc so the game can download. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's still going to store most of your data on this console itself. Um, which is just because it has to. The only way that you can get enough information through your memory to the CPU fast enough is for it to be running off of their their proprietary uh, memory. Um, right. That solid state drive that they're doing. Yep, that solid state drive, yeah. And which, so, I mean, saying, hey, we, we acknowledge this is what we're doing. We're not, you know, we're going to offer you a cheaper version for this. Granted, the primary draw because as a collector or things this drive makes sense because you're going to want to collect those mm-hmm. steel books yep. um also the backwards compatibility aspect for what playstation 4 titles are going to be compatible with the ps5 you know it mm-hmm. that incentivizes you to upgrade now um day one or early on because you're going to be able to migrate your you're, you're going to have access to those old games still especially if you have a major backlog like i do um <laughs> so, yep i mean it's smart because for those that buy and return games, you know, or whichever, predominantly going digital anyway, that's a big market anymore. So, but we'll see. Um, also, we got news that so some people have been like analyzed the picture of the console, and this is going to be the largest PlayStation console ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested to see this in person. Um, but yeah, so like based on like the size of the disk drive, based on like the USB ports, people have mm-hmm. like been able to like do the math and estimate like actual dimensions of it, assuming that we're probably past the point where any of that could be changed since they're needing to get into production. So, well, honestly, it's expected because on to for the power of these devices, um, you know, that's why Xbox Series X picked the design they did. Um, granted, PlayStation decided to be bold. There's controversy about design. I like it. I love the Probably. memes, and I right. and I like the look too. But I love the memes. Right. I think this will look better. Like ultimately, as you can get skins and stuff, um, which would be cool. Like the white on black is what makes it mostly. Like I like the aesthetic of it all in all, but I'd like to see other colors, just like with the controller. Um, but that's a whole other thing. But yeah, like. This thing is towering above the PS3. 
fat PS3, <laughs> we should say. Um, so far, a lot larger than the PS4, but and but the design ultimately they have to be able to cool these devices. Right. That's why Xbox indicated why they chose their design. Is it because it was an industrial purpose? We want to. They just kept it simple. Um, granted, they always have, but PS5. I'm assuming that the size can, is attributable to their cooling solution solution as well. Um, but ultimately, if there is cooling issues, I might consider like breaking mine down and doing a water cooled system on it because it deserves it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that is the PlayStation five event. Great things are coming this holiday mm-hmm. season. Be on the lookout excitement around both pieces just because i want to see what xbox's response is too yeah um they've talked about smart delivery which is a phenomenal program and maybe sony will do something like it but you know they're like we already gave you backwards compatibility (laughs) (laughs) i don't see them necessarily doing something like that um especially if they do ultimately decide to take a loss on the console but that brings us into movies and entertainment which we got some delays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for sake of time, kind of just um, just to quick go through them. WB has delayed most of their slate for 2020 and 2021. Um, some movies like Tenet, Wonder Woman, Godzilla vs. Kong, Matrix 4, a bunch of them have all been delayed. Some as small as like a three to four months, others longer. Um, we'll throw the article in the show notes if you want to check it out. Um, but just kind of since this is just another delay and we're already going a bit long, um, just trying to say it's happening. You can, we'll, we'll have the notes for you if you want to look it up. So, but then we also recently got some Witcher showrunner talks for season two. Yep. So mostly just talking about like how they chose to tell the season one story with the multiple timelines, um, revolving around the individual characters. Um, this was kind of a controversial decision. Obviously people like it was probably one of the biggest gripes, but still, everyone loved it yeah um at least i certainly did yeah i'm getting used to but like when everything comes together it comes together um and um so Hisrich um talked about that and how they still stand beside that decision in terms of storytelling from a storytelling has point and also why it's important going into season two because they will not be doing that and that's because we are now at the point where the characters are together um, existing in the same timeline. So it allows them to play with the time just differently. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to see flashbacks, but they're probably going to be presented more as flashbacks. And we're going to get flash forwards. Yeah. But. Yeah, so it'll be a bit more traditional in that sense. And right. I really liked the, to- the different ways of doing that time loop um, where it was. Not necessarily that all the characters were experiencing the exact same thing at the exact same time, but that they'd all hit these events, like similar themed events at different points in their lives. And I think that that was a really cool way of telling that story. It's one of those things that like, well, I get that it might not have been exactly what some people wanted. I think it was a very cool idea and was well executed as long as you knew, knew as long as you knew there was weird timeline stuff. Right. Like it will make sense. It's okay. Well, what was so, like, I think what's so important about what how they did season one 
is it allowed them to tell the individual character stories too. Right. Granted, because typically with The Witcher, you know, especially in the video games, you know, you're focused on Geralt. Um, and that's really like you get glimpses of the other characters, but them doing this just really allows the other characters to shine in their own stories. Um, so I'm very pro what they did. It just took a while, like, you know, like, wait, what, what, <laughs> what just happened? What's going on? Um, but I am super excited for season two, um, for just everything that's going to come out of it. Yeah, me too. I could use more Witcher in my life. It was wonderful, wonderful mm -hmm. game. And I say game because I've only played three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. Um, in the, otherwise I did just want to touch on some anime this past season like i haven't really talked about much about anime here and there um a couple i've really been working on getting caught up on because they had rough starts but i've resumed watching them and they do get so much better um are the eighth son are you kidding me which is an isekai about i guess like royal it gets so much better than the initial like it's doesn't feel like an isekai as much anymore um and ultimately i don't know why they made this into an isekai Honestly, I'm not sure why. Um, outside of okay, the only reason this is an isekai is because, <laughs> as an excuse to bring in Japanese food into a feud into a medieval feudal world, and watch everyone fall in love with it. That's <laughs> that's the reason why this is an isekai. Um, otherwise, it's really not. It, it and that's why I like it is because it's not a traditional isekai trope, or in another world for those that aren't aware. Um, the other one I want to talk about is Tower of God. This starts off slow um, with a character that knows nothing, um, kind of just has it on track trying, and it, 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 it's different. It's bizarre, and it gets dark, but also has some really good lighthearted moments. Um, I can't recommend this one enough right now. This might be my favorite spring anime currently. Um, definitely worth a watch. Also, both of these do have dubs on Crunchyroll um, for those that don't have the attention span to do the the subtitles which is fine it's fine <laughs> like a certain other co-host of yours right but maybe just the reason why i bring it up is to incentivize a certain co-host like, <laughs> watch these because they are really good um which brings us to our favorite named segment this week in Dongle News, we get more SpaceX news. Um, so this past week, SpaceX has launched 58 new Starlink satellites on its Falcon 9 rocket. Um, for the, so what the Starlink is, it's ultimately going to be a satellite system, which is going designed to provide internet access. Yes. I'm intrigued by this because this is something we like terms of advancing internet um satellites one way we've considered it although our satellite internet supplier companies you know haven't been the best they're shoddy they, they're inconsistent um but then again that infrastructure was set up a long time ago um so this is a whole new infrastructure system set to bring satellite internet to around the world and using you know, much smaller satellites to do it. So you can have this bigger grid of satellites orbiting earth. 
um, which would make things very interesting. So we'll see what this comes out. Um, they're supposed to launch some a, a total of like some odd 12,000 satellites for the system. Which um, is insane. That's so, that's, I mean, so, granted, I have no clue how many satellites we have, but that seems like a lot of satellites well, never just mind for this how project. Many satellites aren't even used in that yeah. are up there anymore that are just defunct or, I mean, typically they're designed, satellites are designed in a way that eventually they'll re-enter Earth and burn mm-hmm. up, um, I believe. I, I think that, I, that seems correct. That I'm no right. scientist, but that seems correct. correct. They also launched like three satellites from Planet um planet sky sats yeah planet sky sats which is super cool uh so essentially the planet uh ones um were launched as a part of like this courier service so like hey we're doing a big launch we got space if you want to you know to allow you know the most optimal distribution of satellites using the um falcon 9 rockets but yeah super cool just more and also advancing technology for the consumer which is what mm-hmm. i'm excited about go starlink we'll see more i recommend going check out their website see what you think tell us what you think on that um next up though tangibles so we've been getting more m21 news as of Listeners here in this episode, all the cards will be revealed. We should be doing our top 10 for that next week. Um, but the big news I want to hit on for Magic this week is, and this is coming from Dice Breakers, is that Magic the Gathering has has banned seven cards that have racist or culturally offensive imagery and has removed them from their online database. Um, and kind of as their continued process to um, make magic more inclusive, you know, remove racist imagery. Like one of the cards in specific has the art very much is influenced to look like KKK stuff. Um, and so things like that, getting that out of the game, um, I think is a very good call, especially as magic has said that it's the game for everyone. I I think getting these out of the game is a very good call. Um, and I know you retweeted the thing earlier today, Chris, that they're also doing more open, um, applications for people of color to submit to be writers and stuff like that. So all these kind of tying together. Yeah. So yeah, like they, that's something, you know, granted, they're not always going to get it right. Um, but they always work on acknowledgement and moving on and trying to make sure that, the voice that there's a voice for everyone in mm-hmm. their company. Um, yeah. So they like, we should say like these bannings, like it's interesting because ultimately wizards doesn't call them a ban. That's what we're calling them. Um, but they're just straight up saying these aren't in our game. Yeah. Like they have moved them out. So like when we typically, when we think of a ban, it's related to a specific format, something along those lines but they're just like not ours yeah. Um, just to make it more inclusive, which is great. Um, granted there, there is some um, obviously within the magic community, you know, there's some backlash even coming from this sort of thing. Um, but I'd rather them do something like this 
and then also come out and say we're doing some more hiring we need a more diverse voice in our in our company um and just continually moving forward in that aspect i love it mm-hmm. they're, they're they're very conscious of what they are doing but yeah so we are running long but that brings us into our list of our top three dystopian worlds um for this week cameron what's your first one so my first one is Amenket. the we talked about it briefly last week because of the new planeswalker but it is the egyptian themed uh, magic plane focused focused basically on death and zombies and the plane itself brings you back to life when you die and stuff like that and so it very much has this deserty feel especially for the part of the plane that we've been on to and the fact that it ties in with bolus and stuff like that. Like it very much has this, like it's almost like pretending to be ordered that kind of thing. Whereas like it is dystopian, it is chaotic, but there is this pretend, this pretend pretending in this bubble that everything's fine. Just don't leave the bubble. And I, that was that was one of the ones that kind of just came first to mind first for me when I was thinking about like, what's a different kind of dystopian world? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, granted, like all magic worlds are like kind of dystopian yeah. in a sense. Like there's... it's that challenge of like every magic point is built on conflict, and mm-hmm. so it's like, well, what kind of conflict is there now? <laughs> like sometimes I try like so I tried to stick to, like I mean when I think of dystopian I think of like of a world that tries to portray itself as kind of like as a utopia or trans, like there is a potential. So typically developed following, mm-hmm. like, whereas like, instead of like a medieval feudal world. Um, but uh, the world I picked is ultimately from the 1995 super Nintendo powerhouse. That is chrono trigger. Oh, nice. But this is an iron ironic one because at the same time, the development team is a utopia. And I say that because the three directors on this game are like is the dream team when it comes to just JRPGs. Um, so uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi um, created the f- part of the first Final Fantasy series games. Um, Yuji Hori, freelance designer from Dragon Quest. And Akira Toriyama, the Mangus artist famed, famous for his work on Dragon Quest and Dragon Ball. So, I mean... Yep, that's a good team. Wonderful teams. And you, it, it very much shows in the game design of this, but I love this game. Um, but essentially, I like this because it it it's a time travel game. Don't get me wrong. Um, so we have kind of the start, where we start off in this kind of just undeveloped, primitive world. Um, although there are, is some technology, um, events happen resulting in fast forwarding to the future, which you find out is dystopian due to the invasion of an alien force, um, who's causing famine and everything. And it's kind of the structure against that. It is phenomenal. You encounter some great characters and honestly, great dystopian world, um, and setting and trying to ultimately the goal of the game is to get back so you can remedy the situation and allow to world to progress into a less dystopian society. Mm-hmm. Wonderful game. Wonderful game. 
recommend it. Um, but Cameron, what is your second one? My second dystopian world is that of The Hunger Games. And so this alternate take where the U.S. is divided up into districts and every district every year sends a champion to fight um, in the arena, basically for the entertainment of the um, of the super elite. Um, and I, I think that this is a very it was a very interesting world. It's a very good take on like that battle royale style genre. Um, I really enjoyed the books for these, especially getting to see kind of just like how lonely they are compared to the movies where like, especially in the first book, like Katniss will spend chapters just by herself, like not really talking, Mm -hmm. not really like, it's just about her trying to survive in this situation. And I think that that's, it was a very, a very well told story. And I, I do like the changes that they made for the movie of making it more of like presented as a game show. Um, kind of getting in more into that side of the commentary that it was trying to present. Right. Um, and then of course it gets into that idea of like rallying against the oppressors and things like that, that kind of are fitting for where we're at right now. But right. Hunger games was great. Good reads. Um, and quick reads, quick reads. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I read all three in the weekend. I ordered them like on a Monday. They were there like by Thursday. I started reading Friday and had them done by Sunday. It was crazy. I think, I, yeah, I was living in Oklahoma at the time, by the way, uh, <laughs> way back when. Um, right. And like, it's a epitome of dystopian. Um, my next one though, is from the anime anime world of the promised Neverland. And this is an intense anime because the protagonists are children um they live in this orphanage uh who the caretaker they call mother and ultimately they're being raised to be fed to demons Hmm. in this world and it man like at first you're just like oh i love this and it's just like it feels so lighthearted because you're following children but again it just gets this dark turn so fast and um ultimately then throughout the rest of the first season can't wait for the next season um you're following them trying to hide their their plot to kind of escape with everyone only a few children actually know the situation um because they don't want to scare like the younger kids the younger kids are still trying living in this perceived utopia of just living waiting to be adopted um and oh man it'll it just I I don't know what to say about this. It gets so dark so fast, but in a good way because now you're just rooting for these children to to get away. And mm-hmm. hopefully like they don't get caught and uh so many good things. Um definitely recommend this one. My last one is probably my favorite video game in Dystopia, and that is Fallout, especially as presented in Fallout New Vegas. Um, Because in New Vegas, you very much get this like pretty shiny version of Las Vegas while like all the land around it is the wasteland, the desert that that is pretty common to the fallout lore. And it very much has that it's everyone's doing okay because everyone's following what Mr. House says. But as soon as you step out of line is where when things got like the, the, the utopia of it starts to fall apart. Um, 
And I just think that that was a very interesting like take on that, like on that setting. And it's a very cool, um, I mean, Fallout as a whole is like one of my favorite like post-apocalyptic worlds, like, and kind of getting to see like a dressed up shiny version of it, I thought was very interesting. And you also get like, I forget what the, the actual group's called, but basically like the, they're, they're presenting themselves as like the, the Roman army and they're led by Kaiser and stuff like that. And it's a very interesting take, um, kind of on these dueling groups that are both like our way of life's the best way of life. Right. Yeah. And that's also in the U S or, you know, yeah. present like real world like none of mine were or ultimately because it saddens me to play or read <laughs> that are based on the current trajectory of culture and granted that's the point of those though too right um but my next one i picked is um granted i i'm not sure if i would call this necessarily a dystopian um world uh but Next one is called is the anime Made in Abyss. Um, this is currently, I believe, released on Amazon, Anime World, and Manga World, um, uh, revolving around again orphans, um, uh, whereas ultimately uh, you are in a civilization um, that's kind of past, uh, and you're kind of like again the technical technical logical era has passed and you're kind of just looting or like seeking out ruins about past the past culture um where you're essentially they have to explore into the abyss where it's so like the only creatures that have managed to survive out here are very deadly um giant monsters and even like the air itself you know eventually and um kind of how these teams of explorers go through and have like whether or not they return is a whole other thing and like the heroes are the ones that have traveled the furthest into the abyss um kind of thing but obviously as a result there's a lot of orphans the orphans roles are ultimately to bring to fun for themselves and kind of become adventures of their own right eventually or find a role for them in the current society um and I, it's also, again, has this lighthearted feel, but gets dark. Um, definitely recommend it, though. Um, phenomenal storytelling. One of my favorites within the last few years, for sure. Um, but yeah, Made in Abyss. Is that all three? Yeah. Yeah, so that's all three. Was our top three this week. Um, I know we didn't post it on social media, but you can still let us know what your top three dystopian worlds are. Um, there's so many good ones that we didn't mention. Um, but Cameron, what's our top three for our next numbered episode? Yes. Yeah, so as you just hit it, I think I got mentioned a little bit earlier, what well, we should be doing our M21 top 10 for next week. And so then two weeks for episode 131, we will, because I'm all in on this Lancer thing right now, that's just where my head's at. Um, I want us to talk, to talk about our favorite mechs or robots. Um, and so it could be either or, um, but Gundam unicorn, Gundam wing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, cause I didn't want to do just mechs. Cause like, I know then to what, to, to what you just said, all mine would just be Gundams. 
but like I so I like kind of wanted to open up two robots so you could get stuff on that side too. Um, but however you want to work that out, um, even like something like a robotic suit, kind of like the the ones from Matrix Three, like stuff okay. like that is fine. Like that kind of like robotic type of stuff is where I want us to be. So mechs, robots, robotic suits, that kind of stuff. Okay, I'll keep it to one Gundam. Okay, I'll allow it. I'll pick my favorite Gundam. That's hard though, but I can think of some robots and other mechs too, because there's so many good mech series too. Right. Um, even outside of Gundam. Gundam's just like the original, well, not even necessarily original, just the one that made mechs popular. Yeah. Especially um, here in the US. Like it was right. it was the it was the one that kind of put that genre on the map, especially for people in our age. Because yeah. it was on it was on Toonami. It was like it was very much that like, oh. Here's this type of anime that America was not necessarily familiar with. Right. I'm happy anime has taken off the way it has in the U.S. because now we actually get good anime. Mm-hmm. And dubbing is so much better now yeah. than it used to be. Dubs used to be so bad. Um, but yeah, so that's our top three next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 130. Be on the lookout for any changes or announcements from us as we... Um, begin to release certain things um, or in the coming weeks for some exciting announcements in general. As always, check out our social media. We are one geek 411 on Facebook, Twitter, and our PlayStation community. You can email us directly at one ST geek 411 at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to us, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, Apple podcasts, or Google podcasts. And as always check out our show notes on our website, one geek 411.com where you'll also find information on our sister podcasts, Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust. And of course, you can find us on our personal social media. I'm not so foreign. I'm Huma Whittle. Wash your hands. <laughs>